to Write That Down, hosted by Jacob Novak and myself, Nate Ulrich. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. This week, we go in-depth about the gear and tools we use, what we started with, when we decided to upgrade, and how we mastered what was already available to us. We also discuss the mental roadblocks of thinking you need specific, expensive equipment and how you get past them. So, let's get into it. So Nate, we're talking about equipment and things like that. And I I definitely have had some experience in uh, just, you know, the upgrade cycle of always wanting the newer, better things. But I think you have a lot more experience uh, in that department than me. So I'm just curious, especially with your more recent freelance stuff, uh, what was kind of your first foray into buying your own cameras and, and mics and things like that? Uh, you know, just kind of the idea of uh, what you thought you needed versus what you actually needed. Well, you know, Jacob, this is something that uh, is very near and dear to my heart. I love <laughs> uh, following uh the companies that are making the camera equipment that are making the microphones. Uh, and I love looking and seeing what next piece of equipment I can add to my sort of arsenal. Right. And that's something that a lot of people experience, uh, when they first start, because there's so, uh, there's such a wide, uh, range of, of equipment from consumer prosumer all the way up to, you know, the most professional movie quality cameras out there that are, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so since there is such this such a wide spectrum of, of equipment and type of equipment, you know, it's a, it's really easy to think that you need something that's more expensive or that does, uh, you know, special things to create something. And, you know, starting off, you know, I wanted to buy a camera that shot 4K and, and given this is five years ago, so, you know, 4K is sort of the natural norm now. But five years ago, that was something very special in a camera. Yeah, it was cutting edge. Yeah, it was cutting edge. That's right. Uh, and so, you know, I wanted a 4K camera. I wanted a mirrorless camera or I wanted a really high quality DSLR. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I purchased my first camera. Let's see, when I was a junior in college, it was at Canon 80D. I mean, we mm-hmm. ended up using that uh, that DSLR for, for your uh, Y-Men uh, premiere. Uh, when we when we edited and shot yeah. it, but is a solid solid starter cam, you know, and that was a big purchase for me. I think I bought that cam and the kit for like you know nine hundred bucks back then, and that was that's a huge you know investment. Yeah, for but, sure. You know, over the over a couple of years, that investment really pays off. Uh, even if you don't make money from your projects, it pays off by you know learning how to use it, mastering that piece of equipment, and figuring out how to grow from there. And so that camera is very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, that that whole idea of of just learning the ins and outs of the equipment that you have. I remember uh, at some point when I was working on the VPT uh, at Juniata, the video production team, I was just kind of uh, annoyed by some problems that kept coming up when people like we had Canon XA20s uh, and then a 30 or 35, I believe, at some point. Um, and then at some point we also got, uh, it was a Canon Rebel T6i uh, DSLR. And I remember I just wanted to sit down. Like sometimes I would go to the VPT desk and sit down and, and get stuff out of the drawer and just experiment yeah. and figure out like, okay, so this is how 
uh, recording with the the shotgun mic that came with the DSLR works. How about what if we try this audio setting or, or this uh, messing around with macro lenses and things like that and just kind of learning each aspect of the equipment? Uh, one, just so you understand how everything works, but also how you can uh, use that to your advantage and and like use the DSLR in so many different ways, you know? Right. And, and I imagine that uh, a lot of people out there who are just starting are looking to purchase a camera that can basically do everything for them, for you, right? So, you know, you want to purchase a camera that's going to automatically white balance or that's going to automatically choose the shutter speed, automatically choose the aperture and the ISO. And, and yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's what your phone does. And yeah. it's a great starting point. And those those DSLRs, you know, you start with you can put it on automatic, and it works works just fine uh, in most situations. But when you really want to take advantage of it, you know, there are times when you want to pick that shutter speed. There are times when your camera overexposes the shot, and you need to crank down that ISO, or you need to, you know, change the aperture or something. And that's when uh, you know you you have to spend time with that piece of equipment. You have to spend time with that tool. In order to to get to know how yeah. how it works, you got to um, Google what ISO means. That's right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so if these terms are something that uh, you don't know yet, uh, take a look. Uh, there's, I mean, and we talk about this in all the podcasts we've done. But you know, all of these things that we talk about are so much better defined and talked about on YouTube. You could literally search, you know, how to how to start uh, a video. Uh, how do you how do you start by shooting a video? And you know, somebody who's got a thousand or a million subscribers out there can, you know, walk you through. Um, yeah. But there's a starting point everywhere. Yeah, for sure. And and that's that's what's important about you know that starting equipment is is understanding every aspect of it. Uh, basically just working backwards so you can understand that every function, uh, which basically sets your limits, right? And what you can do, uh, what you can and can't do rather. Right. Yeah. So let's see. I, so that was my first Canon, that Canon ADD DSLR. I learned how to, I, I learned, I put it on manual. And so I, I learned all the basic things with the, with the camera. But, but in addition to the camera, I mean, you also have to factor in all the other pieces of equipment, right? Um, so I think the other first microphone I got was a Rode microphone. I didn't even, ha- it was like the, I don't know if it was the Rode Go or something, but you just plugged it into the phone port, uh, the, the, in the, in the camera. Right. And it automatically synced the audio with, uh, the video, which is a great way to start. I mean, uh, if you're starting out there and you've got an external audio device, um, I mean, it's great. It, you can get great audio, but if you are in the editing process, uh, that can get tricky at times. Uh, and w- I mean, we'll talk about all these things uh, later in the podcast, but I'm just trying to think about those first initial pieces of equipment that really catapulted me from being somebody who took, you know, Snapchat videos to somebody who, you know, creates something a little more you know, professional, right? A, a step up from Snapchat, maybe. Sure. I mean, how many Snapchat videos did you do? Now I got to oh, see those. Snapchat, I mean, come on, Snapchat's like off the whim. It's like you whip your phone out and, and you take the, the Snapchat. So, so when, yeah, it's funny. When we're talking about video here, we're, we're putting maybe a little more thought. That's what I'm trying to get to. A little more thought, sure. a little more potentially creativity. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something that I, I think about when I, when I think back on uh, deciding how we were going to do shots for Y-Men. 
uh, because right around that time, uh, we had a stabilizer and a gimbal. Uh, and it was the first time that we really had anything like that at the VPT. Um, otherwise, we were probably just like holding the camera on a tripod as we yeah. were moving or, yeah. or just uh, like dolly uh, with just one leg of the tripod and, and swinging it around that way and things like that. Uh, and so having that stabilizer and gimbal uh, kind of elevated our production quality in that sense. Uh, and it was really cool and nice to have that option where we could we had certain vibes that would go with both the gimbal which if you don't know uh the gimbal is uh where you attach the camera to the gimbal and then you can you hold the gimbal and you can swing it around and it'll keep a stable uh shots i guess do you have a better way of explaining that yeah it's got three axes 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 it's got three axes that basically just uh they have little motors in, in each of those axes and it, it uh, when you stabilize the camera, it literally allows you to get really smooth uh, walking shots or, or um, and it allows you to pan and stuff. It's basically like taking your camera and just having smooth shots wherever you go. And, and they're, they're great tools, but they can definitely be cumbersome uh, and temperamental at times. Yeah. So, so we had ordered that for the VPT and then we also ordered a stabilizer, which is when you mount the camera uh, onto a thing that goes over your shoulder and you're you're holding it like a minigun or something <laughs> in front yeah, of you yeah, and so yeah. and you walk with it over your shoulder and so it's it's smoother than just walking uh with the camera in your hands but it's not at the same as the just like total smoothness of a gimbal and so they kind of achieve different effects uh yes. and so it was it was fun on Wyman to to have so many different options in that sense uh, and just being able to utilize them in different ways, depending on what we wanted to achieve for a scene. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's interesting that you bring that up because there are certain pieces of equipment that are fundamentally needed to get a certain look. Yes, you could have done that handheld, but there's a certain level of um, quality that comes with smooth footage. And uh, if you're going for a look that's more handheld, potentially, you know, in our previous episodes, we talked about horror films and stuff. I mean, that is sort of a genre in and itself that can allow for those different types of shots. But when we're talking about, you know, something cinematic or something that's, you know, like a short film like this, where, you know, you're looking for that high quality level of production, that gimbal is needed. Now, you know, going back to earlier, you know, what we were talking about is sort of the difference between what we needed versus what we thought we needed, right? And so starting off right away, I thought I needed, you know, all this high quality stuff. Uh, I thought I needed a gimbal right away. Turns out, you know, I didn't get my, I didn't buy my first gimbal until, you know, maybe, maybe a year ago. So, you know, I was within, I was working in video for several years before I even got my first gimbal. And in that time, you know, I learned how to walk the walk. Actually, quite literally, I learned how to walk. <laughs> if you've ever been in a, a marching band or anything like yeah, that, I was about to say it, the right? roll step. Yeah. The roll step. I mean, there Eight are to five. There, there are ways to naturally make your footage um, smoother. Whether that is uh, you know shooting slow mo, whether that is you know shooting at a higher uh, frame rate and then interpreting that footage at a, a twenty four frames per second when you are in post production. You know there there are a variety of different ways that you can do it without the gimbal. Well, for your case in Y Men. Uh, those situations don't necessarily work 
and you need the gimbal. And so that's a situation where, well, this is something that we need to invest in and make that purchase. So I'm just, I'm putting it in words now because for the, for the folks listening out there who are trying to, who are thinking about making purchases, uh, you know, you should go through the process of, well, do I actually need it? Can I, can I uh, replicate the same shots in a different manner without spending 500, 600, $800 on a piece of equipment? Right. Yeah. That, that kind of speaks to the, the mental roadblocks of, uh, you know, it's it's just really easy to get into that mindset where you're putting off doing a project or a thing yes. because you think you need more than what you have available to you. And it's yes. something I think that everybody can relate to, whether it's videography or anything, really. It's, it's just the, you know, the uh, putting obstacles in your own way uh, because you don't think you're ready. Yep. Uh, and just kind of makes making excuses in that sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's important to you know have all of those things in mind so that you're not just staving off the in, the inevitable because you don't think you have what you need. Right, right. And so let me let me tell you exactly what I actually needed back then. And I found out actually later the things I really needed through trial and error. So what are things that I actually needed? Well, I needed extra batteries for the camera that I had. That is a right. huge one. More people are more likely to go buy a better microphone or a, a gimbal uh, before buying an extra battery for their camera. <laughs> now, if you're going to yeah. go do freelance stuff or any sort of projects, you got to have more than one battery. That is one of the first purchases that you should absolutely make. So that is one thing that is needed. What else? Well, if you really get into video and even photography, you'll notice that lighting has a huge impact. And, and if you're always shooting stuff outside, you don't really understand this or you don't have to worry about this as much. But when you get inside and you your lens uh, isn't fast, say it doesn't have a uh, really low f-stop number, so it's that aperture. If that it doesn't have a really low aperture, it doesn't allow in as much light, that picture quality really drops. So it doesn't matter if your yeah. camera shoots 4K, right? It doesn't matter if it does all these amazing things. If you don't have that lighting, it looks horrible and so these are so so i like to say extra batteries and lights make us all the difference but then you know you got to look at that audio quality and if that audio quality is horrendous your story isn't going to be that great because people are going to be so focused on the peaking of the audio or uh the buzzing in the background and so these are some of the things that are sort of essential uh if you want to raise that production quality yeah for sure i was going to mention uh audio i mean you, you mentioned before uh, having that external audio source uh, it could make things complicated if you if you have an external audio source uh, to change you know the internal camera uh, uh, microphone but it even though it might make it more complicated to line it up and everything like that it really does make such a difference right. uh, if you have like say uh, early FBT days we had, the Canon XA20, uh, which is just a camcorder with a shotgun mic uh, attached to the front uh, or attached on top. And the shotgun is just a directional microphone. But it was so it was really nice once we got that boom pole uh, to attach the shotgun on top so that we could get uh, even an even more direct audio source uh, placing the boom directly over it, say, if it was an interview uh, that we were filming Uh uh, the, and we weren't using a lav, a lav microphone, uh, just on their lapel, 
uh, it was great to have that overhead uh, audio source as opposed to the camera that's further away just pointed at someone. Uh, it, it, having multiple audio sources just makes all the difference on that end. Yeah, so so for the listeners out there who don't necessarily know all these terms, so the lav mic or the lapel mic that you, you uh, Jacob was just talking about is that little microphone that clips to the shirt that's pretty close to the mouth. The boom microphone is going to be a shotgun mic, um, so pretty much just a, a regular mic just with a fluffy thing on the side uh, that that is uh, you know sort of hosted hosted above you or above whoever's talking to sort of capture the ambiance, the noise of the room, as well as a more natural conversation style. Um, it, it just that's what they use in the movies. And then a shotgun mic connected to the camera is one that's it's kind of like a boom mic, but it's not on a large boom pole. Um, yeah. And that's connected directly to the camera. So these are just some terms that, you know, we, we talk about briefly, but in case you don't know, there are several ways that you can capture audio. Yeah. And and just having all of those different ways is, is it's, it's basically all about giving yourself options, right? It, it's kind of a, a similar uh, thing to doing coverage uh, on a shoot where if, say, if you're doing like a narrative uh, scene, it's doing the same scene in several different angles just so that you have options to cut between and maybe yes, getting someone's yeah. reaction to someone else is saying something and, and things like right. that. It's, it's just and giving that, yourself uh, a lot of different avenues to go down. Yeah. And that's also slightly getting ahead of ourselves because, uh, you know, you have to think about that uh, going into the shoot. And so if you're just starting, uh, it's difficult to to think about anything other than the fact that is my shutter speed correct or is my lighting correct is is my you know all of these things you've got to think about and that's and that's what I want to get to is that you know when you can sort of transition from you know shooting automatic to manual that's a big transition in your creative you know working with that tool but then mm-hmm. there's also another transition from shooting manual uh to not even having to really think about setting up that camera and now all your focus is on that creative aspect of creating that shot or getting multiple takes of that shot, right? Reiterations of that shot. And so those are the different steps that I look at. I try, I go from automatic to manual and then from manual, I, I go to sort of this brainless set the camera up. You know, I know the shutter speed's correct. I know the lighting's correct. I don't have to double check, triple check. I know everything's going to be perfect because I've done it a hundred thousand times. And now I can focus on the actual content being created. And that's a huge step, right? It's no, it's not mastery, but it is something that when you do it continuously, you can, uh, in a sense, you can just trust yourself with that tool. I was, I was trying to think about how to say this in the car just before coming here. And, <laughs> and I was, I was thinking about, well, in short, uh, the most easiest way I can put it is, you know, if you get a hammer, right, to hammer in nails, you know which side to bang the nail in with, right? <laughs> you don't use the you don't use the side that pulls the nail out to bang the the nail in. You use the hammer side, and and so when you know that, you can bang a lot more nails into the wood. But if you don't know that, you have to learn to use the hammer correctly. And then while you're learning, you can't bang as many nails into the wood. So that's sort of the simplest way I can put it. Sure. <laughs> I guess that's simple. <laughs> I, w- I was just going to say uh, it basically having that routine just kind of gives your brain more space to try and learn new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, because uh, because you've done it so many times, it it, it just allows you uh flex more flexibility in uh you know other 
aspects of the job that you're not necessarily as comfortable with as, uh, you know, the, the camera work and camera settings and things like that. Right. Well, Jacob, how do you know, how do you know when it's time to add a new piece of equipment to the arsenal? How do you know when it's time to maybe say you want a, a different uh, lighting setup or, or a boom mic or a different gimbal? When you try to determine that, what are factors that go into your decision? Well, it's for me, and and I don't know if this is the correct answer, uh, but we, we don't for have me, correct answers on this show, Jacob. It's they're just <laughs> answers. <laughs> uh, for me, some of it is just based off of seeing other people's work, uh, and just kind of working backwards. Like, okay, how do they achieve that? Like, like that lighting effect or that audio effect, and just mm-hmm. uh, trying to see what they used and and if you evaluate, like we were saying earlier, evaluating what you have and if you can replicate that shots that you've seen or that you have in your head, uh-huh. uh, it's determining if you have, have that, or if you can't do that, then maybe you, you look into what else you need to, to achieve that. It's for me, it's basically just a lot of, you know, not copying, but right. just watching yeah. someone else do something and be like, huh, that's interesting. And just right. write a note. And sure. And sure. They're, they're in influences. They're, they're influences, right? It's not yeah. copying. It's reiterating on what somebody else did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and that's part of the creative world and that's part of videography. For me, it is, again, it's that it's seeing other cool shots, but it's also when I know the weakness of what I can produce. Right. So as soon as I notice that my lens isn't doing, isn't working well in low light, and even with a light kit on, I'm still not getting, I'm still getting grain in my shot, noise in my shot. Basically, um, the quality of the shot is dropping dramatically because I, it, the lens just can't allow enough light in. When I notice that's happening and I, and I have several gigs in a row, uh, and my quality of production drops because of that, then I know I probably have to make that investment if, I want to continue to to try to make the highest quality uh, work I can make. And so that's, again, that's something in addition to what you said, like, oh, I want to try this because somebody else did this. Uh, it's also, well, I can't do this or I can't continue making this because I don't have this piece of equipment. Yeah, there there are times in, in the VPT where uh, I, it was probably a few videos in, the, in a row where we just couldn't use the lavalier mics. Uh, on the lapel because they were just not clearly just dying out because uh, they, they were getting old. And so that, you know, that's, that's kind of the easy time of when, you know, it's upgraded is when it's like, okay, well this sounds like someone's in a tin can inside of a tin can. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it's time. <laughs> yeah, of course. Before we get back to our conversation, we just wanted to tell you that if you ever want to get in touch with us or be part of the show, you can do so by emailing askwtd at gmail.com. Whether it's a topic suggestion, a question for the two of us, or just general feedback, that email address is the easiest way to reach out. Since this is a podcast for normal people by normal people, we want to be as interactive and receptive as possible. Once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, enough of that. Let's get back to it. Okay, so first for this week is actually a question related to what we're talking about, Jacob. So this is a question from uh, 
This is a question from Jessica, who's in Cleveland. Uh, Shout she, out. <laughs> she asked, uh, I used to have access to things like Adobe Premiere and Audition in college. So that's the Adobe Creative Cloud. Uh, but since I graduated, I don't want to pay for the Creative Suite just yet. Do you guys have any recommendations for free or cheaper alternatives for video, audio, writing, etc.? Jacob, uh, you want to try to tackle that first? Sure. Well, I, I definitely have uh, thoughts on the writing end of it. Uh, so specifically in terms of like script writing, uh, I, I think you you might remember in the VPT, uh, we used a, a website program called Celtics, which oh, is yeah. C-E-L-T-X. Uh, I don't know if we actually ever learned what the official pronunciation is, but I, th- I, I just do Celtics. Uh-huh. Um, but so that's basically, uh, I found that to be a good entry-level start into this screenplay format because it, it gives you, it, you sign up for the website and there are paid options, uh, but ju- you know just for the free uh, option, you go to Celtics.com and uh, it gives you these options of doing uh, a screenplay or, or setting up storyboards or things like that. Uh, and some of those features are locked behind a paywall. Uh, but for strictly writing a screenplay, uh, you start a new document and it really holds your hand in a good way, not to be like demeaning, uh, of how you format a screenplay with, okay, this is how you write descriptions and, and actions, and then this is what you need to do when introducing characters and dialogue and things like that. And so I think Celtics is a really good program uh, if you're just starting out, uh, especially in that field. Um, another similar kind of thing is Writer Duet, which I have less experience with, but from what I have seen, uh, it's... A similar idea, but it has more of a Google Docs kind of function where uh, you can work with people at the same time on the same document. Uh, whereas I think for Celtics, it's more of a you can both look at a page. I remember when we were writing Red for the VPT, I think we each had this, the script up on our laptops. But if we wanted to see the most recently edited uh, document, you had to refresh. Uh, it wouldn't do the live uh, comments and things like that, but Writer Duet, I believe, does have that functionality, and I also just think it's uh, more visually uh, clear, uh, less cluttered than Celtics was when I used that. Uh, and what I use right now actually is uh, Highland, which is a uh, downloadable application. Uh, I actually learned of it because I listened to another podcast called Script Notes, uh, and it's hosted by John August and Craig Mason, who are both. Uh, screenwriters, uh, they did stuff like Big Fish and Craig Mason did Chernobyl and is doing the Last of Us series and and things like that. Uh, and so they're they're accomplished screenwriters. And John August actually created with people uh, Highland, and it's only on Mac, unfortunately. So if you have a PC, it, it's not an option for you. But it's a downloadable application, uh, and it's probably the cleanest user interface that I've seen in a free. Uh, script writing software, uh, especially, you know, the big one that the professionals use is Final Draft. And I'd love to, you know, have $200 to spend on that at some point. Uh, but until then, Highland is is just great. And it's, it's a very easy way to uh, 
write your script and also have sidebars of notes and, and outlines and things like that. And the, those are probably my three recommendations with Celtics being good for beginners and then writer duet being the next step. And then Highland being a good downloadable option, which I prefer as opposed to having a tab in your browser uh, and things like that. So yeah, the, those are my tips on, on writing. Great. Yeah. Uh, well then I'll jump into the other stuff. Um, no, those seem like great options, uh, Jacob. So as far as editing video and audio, uh, you know, first and foremost, um, sort of the way I go about this is if I have any opportunity to, to get sort of the industry standard, uh, even if it is a stretch, I go for it because if you know, you're going to be editing on that in the future, it's best to learn, uh, all the ins and outs. I know Adobe Premiere Pro can be a beast and it's difficult or Final Cut Pro can be difficult because there's so many options, so overwhelming, right. but sort of the way, I, if I have any opportunity to get it, whether that is a, you know, a gift for a holiday or something, if I, you know, ask for a subscription for Premiere or ask uh, for Final Cut Pro, if that's an option, I go for it because I want to spend as much time as I can, possibly uh, as, as much time as I can uh, in those softwares because you're going to get faster better uh, and you're going to learn those softwares that much quicker sure that being said not not everyone has that opportunity to have those or start out with those so here are a couple options um, if you have a Windows computer I think they have a simple video editor I know if you have a Mac there's iMovie great starting option I mean that's a solid yeah. starting option and and if you do- I know the Windows uh, free editor used to be called Windows Movie Maker I don't know if that's changed or not yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's changed either. I haven't used a Windows computer in a while, but I think uh, I think Windows 10 is still making a video editor. Um, it's sort of in competition, I guess, with iMovie. Those are sort of those most simple um, editors, which are great to start out with, right? Because they're, they're simplified and you still get the basics of editing. And that being said, I want to add that if you're editing, I mean, editing is mostly just cutting, right? It's cutting clips. So if you're not doing a lot of um, audio editing, if you're not doing a lot of color correction or lighting, go for the cheapest option. Because if all you're doing is cutting, you don't need to spend $200 a year for Premiere Pro to cut yeah. when iMovie or you know some video editor out there for free can do it. And, and so that being said, there's a couple other options out there. There is, I believe there's a YouTube editor now. I don't know how great it is, but that's an option. It's free. There's DaVinci Resolve. I know that that is an upgraded version, but I'm pretty sure it's free. And then I think there was one called OpenShot. Again, there's a lot of editors out there that are free that you can try. Um, And then when it comes to audio, editing audio, again, there's Audacity, which is a great option. It's free. And that's going to allow you to edit that audio. And there's always GarageBand if you do have that uh, Mac as an option. Yeah, I I can speak to the, uh, the Audacity end of things because I've been using that since high school. Uh, just whether it's like doing VO like I've been doing more recently or doing multi-track uh, things like acapella or with my trombone or nerdy things like that. Uh, it, it is it's it can be a little daunting at first just downloading the program and seeing all these different options. And, and if you aren't super clued into the audio end of things like I was when I first started, uh, just not knowing quite where to start, but it, it is fun to toy around with and just getting a sense of how everything works. And obviously there are still YouTube tutorials and things like that out there for it. So I do 
recommend Audacity highly. Okay. Yeah, and then and then my final two things just to wrap up. Uh, if you do have that option, like I said earlier, to get that Final Cut Pro, that is sort of the industry standard that Apple makes, and it is a one-time purchase. And I know it's a couple hundred dollars, um, but you know if you can save that up over time, it's definitely going to be worthwhile. And then, of course, uh, Adobe, they do have a full Creative Cloud subscription option, which is several hundred dollars, but they also have the option to uh, subscribe um, for I think like 20 to $30 a month for two apps, which I know adds up, but it is a little less daunting than that 200 some dollars right off the bat for a month, or, or it, I think it's closer to 500 or something. I don't know the exact numbers, but if you do have that option, you could get something like Premiere Pro and uh, Audition, which is their audio editing software uh, for something like 30 bucks a month, which is an option if you, if you can do that. Um, like I said, if you can jump into those industry standard softwares um, because you kind of have an idea of how they work, go for it. Because the more time you spend in them, the faster your editing gets and the faster you can churn out creative content. Yeah. And actually, another thing that I just thought of is it's a little different from, uh, you know, the editing end of things. But uh, OBS, uh, which stands for Open Broadcast Software, uh, is a good screen recording uh, and video, it's basically just a, a good way that, uh, a good program that uh, compiles uh, video from your laptop camera or a camera that you have attached to your computer or your internal microphone or if you want to record your screen for whatever kind of videos you want to do. It's free and it, it is kind of an industry standard uh, as far as I, I can tell uh, that a lot of people use, whether it is for streaming or recording your screen. Uh, like I used OBS when I was uh, cutting uh, tutorials for how to use these web applications and stuff like that. And uh, I just do want to shout out OBS because there are a lot of different things you can do for, uh, with that and it is free. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Good call. Good call. And so just to wrap up uh, this conversation, we've touched on this idea a little bit uh, throughout this podcast. Um, but there is something to be said about the idea of getting past those mental roadblocks of, of thinking you need something to move forward when you can really just use what you have around you. Uh, I think specifically of a quote from the acclaimed film, Spider-Man homecoming uh, from 2017. Uh, if you're not familiar there, there's a scene uh, about two thirds of the way through. It's basically in between acts two and three in the story uh, where Spider-Man played by Tom Holland uh, messes up, uh, and his suit was built by Tony Stark, played by Robert Downey Jr., and uh, Tony Stark says, Okay, it's not working out. I'm going to need the suit back. Because Peter Parker is too ir irresponsible with it. And so Tom Holland says, Please, this is all I have. I'm nothing without this suit. And then Robert Downey Jr. says, If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it. And is this just a long-winded uh, reason for me to talk about Marvel in this podcast? Yeah. But it also, uh, I think it does kind of have the the heart of, of what I'm getting at here, which is don't let the, the shininess of, of new toys, uh, like new equipment, new cameras, new microphones and all that get in the way of you actually producing something. Because, you know, we all have phones now uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> that can take pretty decent video. Uh, we all Better have video than cameras 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And and. We, we just listed off a bunch of programs that can help you with writing or 
uh, audio recording and things like that. Uh, there really is kind of no excuse nowadays to just do it. Uh, and, and sure, maybe that means scaling back your visions for some projects because yeah. you, you know, you can't have, uh, $200,000 worth of CG green screen effects. <laughs> just go out and do it. Like understand your limitations and, and work within that. Uh, because more often than not, it, it, you can still produce something that you can be proud of and, and you'll be able to learn from, uh, like a lot of, uh, writers, directors, filmmakers, videographers always say you, you just have to do it or Nike, you know, right. just do it, <laughs> get into it. That, that's it. how you got to learn. I love it. I love it. That was a good one there, Jacob. That was a good one. <laughs> Thank you. I I would bring up Marvel every week, but Nate doesn't let me. Oh, our producer doesn't let you. Anyways, <laughs> let's uh, let's bring us into our, our last segment of, of the show. Uh, definitely not procrastinating. Jacob, what did you watch this week? Uh, well, actually, it's funny because we're about to talk about Marvel twice in one episode. Oh my, here we go. Because I can finally talk about WandaVision <sighs> because it, it's over. The finale came out last Friday and this is such a good show. It's on Disney Plus. If you don't know, it's it's it features uh, Scarlet Witch from Marvel Comics played by Elizabeth Olsen and The Vision played by Paul Bettany. And it's just such an imaginative show. Uh, it's if if you're not aware, it's part of the conceit, and I obviously I won't spoil things, but part of the conceit is that it's basically uh, week to week was uh, emulating different eras of sitcoms. So the first episode was an I Love Lucy uh, kind of satire thing set within this uh, unknown world where you're trying to solve this mystery of what's going on within the show. And then the next week was a 60s sitcom uh, and then it was a Brady Bunch kind of thing. And it's it's just such a creative show. Uh, and I was talking with our good friend Evan Quinter, uh, actually, like just an hour ago, because we were talking about the finale. And he said, do you think uh, you're more biased in loving this show because you haven't had any Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, things since Spider-Man Far From Home came out like two years ago just because you've been starved for MCU content. And I really don't think that's the case because this show is just so out of so out of the box. There's really nothing like it, both in terms of superhero movies and shows, but also just I don't think there's anything comparable to what they achieved in these nine episodes. And uh, yeah, I just I, I love it. I love the MCU and uh, WandaVision is such a great start uh, to a post Avengers Endgame world. So, wow. yeah, if I could, I'd talk about it for two more hours. Yeah, but, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, That's a different show, though. That's a different show. Yeah. What about you, Nate? It. Yeah. So uh, I've got two and they're uh, the, the difference in stark difference between uh, what I watch in my time and, and what you watch. But that's what makes the show exciting. <laughs> uh, so I have two uh, because they are YouTube videos. Uh, one uh, is actually something that I'm not sure if you've ever seen before, Jacob. It may be up your alley. Uh, but for the folks out there listening, uh, if you haven't checked out Bo Miles on YouTube, check him out. I mean, he he embodies the um, quality over um, – what's that, what's that saying go? Quantity? 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he he uh, embodies uh, quality over quantity. Uh, he makes uh, you know short films, fifteen twenty minutes a, a piece. Uh, every couple of months, one comes out, and it is. Uh, you just have to watch it. You have to watch some of the stuff he does. It's fascinating uh, because hmm. I mean he's this Australian guy and he lives life like no one else. I mean, I think the the last one I just watched was him deciding to uh, walk to work. And work for him was something like 90 kilometers away. So instead of taking the commute he uh, in his car, he uh, walked to work and he picked up stuff along the way. And, you know, he ate what was there. And, and, you know, so I can't even explain it. Go and watch it because it will drastically change uh, your life because you'll notice that this guy... Uh, who's kind of a nutcase uh, because of what he does, also lives a fully fulfilling life uh, completely different than the way we live our lives. So take him out, take a look. Uh, that's Bo Miles um, on YouTube. And oh, that's I want, interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of him. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Uh, I know Evan uh, Quinter is uh, would probably enjoy him. He's Yeah, that uh, sounds right up his alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I want to uh, wrap it up um, by talking about a TED talk that I saw and the TED talk was, uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Oh yeah. The actor. Yeah. 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 Uh, so this TED talk was called, uh, give yourself permission to be creative. And I think this is very important for Mm -hmm. us to, to recognize and understand. And, uh, I want to end with one of the things that he said and talked about on that podcast or that, that TED talk. So basically in short to kind of summarize uh, he, he said, when we experience sort of deep love or when we experience hate or sadness or some of these really strong emotions, uh, that's when art is not a luxury, but rather it is sustenance. He mm-hmm. talks about he talks about poems. He talks about music. He talks about stories. Those are all luxury until we experience these deep, deep emotions of love you know, sadness. And then it's sustenance and it's what keeps us alive and what keeps us creating things. So I thought that was, that was really important and something that we could end uh, our podcast uh, with today. Yeah. You you got me rethinking my whole Spider-Man bit, Nate. (laughs) That's why you went first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Nice. All right. Uh, Where can the people find you, Nate? Uh, the people can find me at uh, on Twitter at NateUlrich16, uh, N-A-T-E-U-L-R-I-C-H-1-6. And Jacob? I am still at the Jacob Novak on Twitter. I, I, I got to be honest, I have not looked any looked at any new handles this week, so I, I got to stick with it. All right. Uh, but yeah, at the Jacob Novak, and stay tuned for next week where uh, we may or may not have a uh, special guest. Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. 